All right, welcome everybody to a special edition of Giant Voice. We have now, we're going to do a series on Camp Lejeune. Today, we have with you Kathy O'Rourke. She is a 70-year-old Camp Lejeune water widow from Arizona. She is a retired nurse whose last duty was caring for her dying husband. Also joining us today is going to be Sam Maynard, Marine forever, regardless the cost. Just one of many advocates for victims of Camp Lejeune. Sam is joining us from Oregon. We also got Brian Ambergy, is a Kentucky advocate for Camp Lejeune contaminated water victims and is also a construction foreman. We've got Karen Hayward, Hayward King. She's also a Camp Lejeune water widow and nurse who's a glutton for punishment because she's also Tim's better half and once again is with a Marine who spent time at Camp Lejeune. God bless her. And then we also got right. Tim Templeton. He's an engineer located in Missouri who was also exposed as a Marine to the contamination at Camp Lejeune. So, Tim, starting with you, if you guys could each kind of go through with that you were in Camp Lejeune and what you took from there. Sure. Yeah, I get, uh, w uh, served in the Marine Corps for four years from 1983 to 87. And uh, my first duty station out of school uh, and last duty station was Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So, so um, I actually uh, was a uh, electronics repair technician for anti-tank missile systems. Um, when I got out of the Marines, I didn't have any idea that I was, uh, that I had been contaminated, had never heard uh, it. I, you know, maybe there were some, some smells that I happened to notice that were a little odd, but uh, out, outside of that, uh, ended up finding out that uh, I've got immune deficiencies, so I don't make antibodies to be able to fight off certain types of illnesses anymore. So I have to get infusions uh, once per month. When I got out of the Marines, I didn't have any idea that I was, uh, that I had been contaminated, had never heard uh, it. I, you know, maybe there were some, some smells that I happened to notice that were a little odd, but uh, out, outside of that, uh, ended up finding out that uh, I've got immune deficiencies, so I don't make antibodies to be able to fight off certain types of illnesses anymore. So I have to get infusions uh, once per month. Well, Karen, you want to go next? Yeah, my name's Karen Hayward King. Um, I'm the Camp Lejeune water widow of um, J.R. King. Uh, he passed away in November 2017. He had multiple problems, uh, multiple cancers, and he was in the process of also being tested for Parkinson's disease. I'm involved in um, the Camp Lejeune movement. Um, as mentioned, um, I don't know whether he's my better half or whether I'm his better half. He's got a big grin on his face, but um, I'm involved with Tim. So I'm back on that treadmill again. Oh, boy. But it's worth it. Oh, yeah. All right. Sam, you want to go next? I'm Sam Maynard. I went into the Marine Corps straight out of high school like most young men do. Um, didn't figure out till 2010 when the Marine Corps told me they poisoned me that what the hell had been happening in my medical file. I mean, I, I started out getting diabetes within just a few years out of the Corps. Uh, no history at all in the family. No, mm. my brother went through the Corps five years ahead of me. 
no diabetes, no nothing wrong with him. He didn't go to Lejeune. I did. Uh, Miss Kathy. Yeah. I'm Kathy O'Rourke from Tucson, Arizona. My husband was Robert Bob O'Rourke, Jr. He served in the Corps from 1972 to 1975. I was never at Lejeune. I met him roughly a year and a half after he was discharged. He started having all kinds of problems in 2014 when he was diagnosed with renal cell cancer, which had spread to both lungs, liver, lumbar spine, and eventually to the left side of his brain, which eventually took his life in November of 2015. Mm. Up until then, he was a fairly healthy man with, you know, great life ahead of him. And uh, unfortunately, the water took him. Sorry to hear it. Yeah. And last we have Brian. Uh, I'm Brian Amber. Yeah, I went into the Marine Corps in 1983 and was there to 1980 till 1986. Um, I was in Camp Lejeune in 1984. Didn't know. I'm, I'm like the rest of them. Didn't know nothing about it. Um, I didn't find out about Camp Lejeune water till 2014, when uh, I've got a letter in the mail. Uh, right now, I'm going through the process of making sure I don't have uh, male breast cancer. I just in January I had. Uh, biopsy done. Uh, they took out a place about the size of my thumb. Thank God it come back benign. That was on my right side. Um, or excuse me, on my left side. And then on my right side, I go back the 25th of this month to uh, get checked uh, for another scan to see if that's uh, male breast cancer. Also, I have the essential tremors and um, big time uh, memory loss. And I'm the Kentucky advocate. Uh, and I represent 4,412 Marines and Navy personnel uh, that was stationed at Camp Lejeune that live here in Kentucky. we got a lot to talk about. I can tell that already. Before we get going, Brandon, do you have any interesting things you want to ask him? I, I think the only thing I want to say before we get this rolling is for the listening and viewing audience out there, this is going to be some, some pretty important heavy stuff. Um, if you all wouldn't mind smash the crap out of that like button for the algorithm because this is information that's going to need to be spread yeah. uh share this everywhere that you possibly can and let's allow these folks voices to be heard please beautiful dude All i right. got one thing to say i apologize in front of my curse words because i speak marine <laughs> We, my we totally understand, <laughs> Sam. All good. Yeah, we know, Sam. If we're all set, Tim, you want to kind of take away? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's kind of interesting, my little path there. Of course, you know, as, as I mentioned in the introduction of me, I'm an engineer. So when I left the Marine Corps, uh, I uh, went to college uh, for uh, electrical engineering. I've been working in telecommunications engineering. I, I wondered why I was getting sick, and it actually started to occur before I left Camp Lejeune. I started getting uh, more sinus infections, more chest, uh, more uh, lung infections. It was almost on a regular basis, about five or, every five or six months. And, and it was actually more 
frequent than that. It was just that I didn't want to be what they would refer to as a sick bay commando. Yeah. And that's what they would say to someone that they, up, yeah, that they felt was trying to maybe shirk their duties. And so I was very careful mm-hmm. to make sure not to do that. So I went, I probably went several times sick without any treatment uh, for it, but then end up trying to figure out what, what, what happened as I was going through college, as I went through my career, I, uh, married. I've got uh, two children. I've got two grandchildren. Now I've finished a career in telecommunications of over 34 years uh, now and just muscled my way through it. But finally got a letter in, uh, it was uh, 2012, got, got a letter from headquarters Marine Corps saying you, uh, you were possibly exposed Mm-hmm. toxic contamination mm-hmm. and so but i have gone through the va process i uh, have been adjudicated my claim is still in the process of adjudicating the secondary conditions that come with uh, immune deficiencies like fatigue uh chronic pain uh and and also uh, fibromyalgia type symptoms uh so it's it, i my claim is at the board of veterans appeals it's already been there once so this is my second appeal up to the uh, the uh, board of veterans appeals but on the first one they did go ahead and do the grant so i've been uh, being treated by the the veterans uh, administration by the va hospital uh here in missouri and i'll have to say that uh, uh even though I, I hear quite a bit of bad things about the VA hospital, about half of the, the folks that I end up seeing at the VA hospital are really good. I would recommend them to yeah. someone, even if I had, even if I had to pay for them, I would still pay for them. Uh, the other half, uh, you know, so so with you know uh, the occasional, of course, bad apple that sticks up, <laughs> sticks yep. up out there. <laughs> yep. So I, I they are taking care of me. Uh, but the, that's not it. I w- served on the community assistance panel from uh, 2014 through uh, 2019. And during that time, I had the chance to work on the public health assessment for the drinking water and make sure that, that everything was nice and tight so that when it was published to the public, that it would be airtight. You wouldn't have people being able to say, no, this this isn't accurate or this doesn't work. And so we... We went through that process, through the draft process uh, in that. And then I also got a chance to see some of the water modeling study and, the, and meet some of the folks at CDC uh, that were involved in doing the modeling study. And it, it, it's really groundbreaking research um, that, that was done for Camp Lejeune. They, they, they've won awards uh, because of it. And they should have. They should definitely should have because they did a darn good job. It, with all the other contaminated bases that are out there in the United States, one could hope that maybe they would be the ones coming in and doing the water bottling on them. And they, you know, felt comfortable doing that. Because, and I say that because that moved the Camp Lejeune issue along once they did that. But I've, I'm, I'm glad that I've had a chance to. Uh, serve on the cap, serve the community. I, you know, of course, still am a member of the community. So, uh, and then on top of that, I, I, I guess what I would say is that we've come a long way, and there's there's more to go. But we're Marines, and you know that was one of the problems that I guess they had on their hands is that they taught us how to fight and how to persevere, yes, and now they get that right back at them. You bet.
You bet. Mm -hmm. Sam, what do you think? Wow. He so closely parallels me in in the training and the time. In 86, I went in to become an electrician in 1141. I went through to Lejeune for four months. In the first month I was there, they put me on guard or ground duty, and I was weed-eating the damn ditches, and you could see the water had an oily film on it. Every fucking bit of water had an oily film on it. Then we went through seven weeks of electrician school and lightheaded as hell. The whole time I was at Lejeune, lightheaded as hell. I fell off the damn pole. At 30 feet up, I dropped 30 feet, landed on, well, I landed on my feet, but they collapsed immediately and I went straight to my butt. Yeah. Screwed up my back and neck. Okay. I tucked through that shit and got my degrees and everything. I went out and I got two degrees in electronics and became an Oregon State electrician. I was not wanting to stop working. I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year in nineteen or twenty-four, two thousand and four. I would have done anything to not be put in a wheelchair. But I was. I mean, that's what happened. The the neck damage at C67 mm-hmm. ruptured to the inside, mm-hmm. made my whole arm go dead. Mm-hmm. I went in for surgery. The surgeon screwed up the surgery, yeah. paralyzed me from the neck down. I couldn't move a fucking nothing. Oh. So, yeah, if, if, if you don't mind me adding uh, to that, is that I actually do have some uh, um, damage to my uh, uh, cervical spine. And uh, now I've been advised, and, and now especially your words ring very, very true here, is that if you can avoid getting the surgery, avoid it. Don't do, do anything you can, anything you have to, to avoid that surgery. Because once you do, it messes things up. And if they do happen to mess it up, well, you only got one of those. <laughs> and it's, it's the one you're not going to use anymore now. <laughs> so. It was a long, hard fight, buddy. Yeah. I mean, for a month, I lived in the hospital learning how to get from my bed to a wheelchair to the bathroom and back. Yeah. That was what I had to do in order to even leave the hospital. Sure. I mean, over over the next month, I got, it started out, I could move my thumb, then I could move my thumb and fingers. I eventually got half of my body back. Sure. I'm hemiplegic, which means the right side of my body is paralyzed. Right. Yep. Hey, uh, let's talk to Kathy. And, and get some of her experience here. And, uh, and I guess the first thing I'd, I'd ask her uh, is, uh, how did you find out about the contamination at Camp Lejeune, Kathy? Well, we got a letter somewhere at the end of 2012, and it was actually a survey. Had you been, you know, do you have all these diseases, that kind of stuff? And my husband said, I'm fine, throw it away. 
Yeah. Yeah. Typical Marine. <laughs> How they find me was his, you know, response. Anyway, <laughs> um, towards the end of, uh, we found out totally at the end, roughly of December-ish of 2013, my husband was in the bathroom one morning and he started screaming. Yeah. Oh. And, he, and he, you know, we never call each other by our first names or anything. Everybody has a little cute name for each other. Right. And he's screaming my name and I, you know, like wake up and go, what's wrong? He goes, look in the toilet. And he was peeing basically blood and blood clots. Mm. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah, got trouble here. Yeah, not quite sure what was going on. And right. um, he's had kidney stones before because the water's not really great here in Arizona. So, but it's too much for that. So, that went on for about a week. And then suddenly we celebrated New Year's Day of 2014 with him going, You've gotten your wish. And I said, My wish for what? He said, Take me to the hospital. I'm having chest pain. Oh, no. Yeah, so off we went to our local hospital, not the VA, and they did, this was like one o'clock in the afternoon, and we were there till, doing tests till probably midnight, Mm -hmm. and the doctor that examined him said, he pulled me aside and said, I have a very strong feeling your husband has kidney cancer, and I went, what? Yeah. That's how he found out. All the tests and everything else. And he said, I think from looking at x-rays and CT scans and all that, both lungs, his liver at that mm-hmm. point. And my husband says, okay, thanks. I want to go home. And he says, oh, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. You, you, you need surgery. And he says, okay. And he was a jeweler for 25 years, self-employed, no employees at all. So it was like, great. How am I paying my bills? Right. Right. Well, thing. and there you go. You bring, bring up a point that probably goes unnoticed way, way, way too often in our community is that there are many of the members of our community are widows, our spouses, Mm -hmm. our children of those who were directly exposed and Mm -hmm. they didn't serve there. They they probably don't even know, you know, a whole lot about the Marine Corps. And uh, so your story tells one part of this catastrophe that maybe, like I said, goes unnoticed uh, here many times is what, what do the families do? What are they going to do with all this? It turns their world upside down. Right. You go bankrupt, you lose your home, you lose everything you worked so hard for. And uh, if yeah, I, I have, there's another little tech or part to sure, this. Sure. Um, we were a week away from having our property foreclosed on. Mm-hmm. And if it hadn't been for the good graces of a member of our community who didn't know us from Adam, heard a story we did on our NBC affiliate here where my husband basically pleaded for help mm-hmm. and said, I need help now, not later. Mm-hmm. She saw the story and uh, came forward, talked to the reporter and everything. And she said, I'm going to pay off your property. Wow. wow. Fantastic. Well, that's super cool. Yeah, it's it's amazing. She's our guardian angel to this day. Actually, I'm in communication with her, you know, quite often. So, sure. anyway, it's the only thing that saved us. But unfortunately, that was May of 2015, and then July of 2015. I think it was July. My husband had a seizure, and that's when we kind of knew the uh, cancer had gone to his brain. They did surgery, radiation, and all that, but it right. didn't do much. 
Ouch. Damn. Really sorry to hear that. Um, sticking kind of on this, on a similar note, I'd uh, like to ask uh, Karen, uh, our co-host, who also her husband died as well and was in the, in the Marine Corps at Camp Lejeune and ask her how she found out about it and, and how it's affected her and her family. Karen, what do you think? Well, you know what I think. Um, we um, found out about five months, I think, before he died. At that point, he already had all these conditions. <clears throat> um, and we found out when somebody handed me a, you know, the sheet where you sign up for healthcare. And on it was this list of, pla you know, places where they asked whether you'd been there or not, and it included Camp Lejeune. So I said to him, you know, were you ever at Camp Lejeune? And he said, yes. So I went and Googled it, and my reaction was, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, we had, never, we had never even heard of Camp Lejeune. And the thing that makes me the most angry about the whole thing was that if the Marines had done their job, had done due diligence, he um, may not have had to go through what he went through yeah. because it would have been caught in the early stages. But he had multiple cancers. He had lung cancer. He had kidney cancer. He had liver cancer. His prostate was um, enlarged. He had... Um, tumors in his brain. He actually had um, four tumors in his brain. Um, the story of how we found out is very much like Kathy's. I, one morning I was lying in bed. He had gone into the bathroom and I heard him scream. And I went running in there and he was kind of suspended above the <coughs> Couldn't sit down. He was in <coughs> agony. So I rushed him to the doctor and they thought that he was having either appendicitis or something. So they did a scan and then we got the call later on that evening that they had found multiple cancers yeah. in that scan. Yeah. And um, 17 months later, he was dead. But he was in the process of also of being um, evaluated for Parkinson's disease. So these Marines don't just have one disease, nope. they have multiple. Yep. Um, a couple of years beforehand, we'd also lost a baby. And I, <coughs> at that point in my fourth month of pregnancy, it was his only child. Um, we should have, you know, at that point, once you get into your fourth month, as Kathy can probably say, your chances of having a miscarriage are pretty low, you know, well, they're a lot lower than they are in the first three months. Well, when the um, doctor looked at the fetus, um, he, he asked us if we had been exposed. And we said, well, no, because we didn't have a clue about Camp Lejeune or anything like that. And uh, he said that the fetus had injuries that he only saw in victims of H orange, herbicide exposure, etc. So when when he died, there was nothing left behind of him. He, you know, and, and this has happened to a lot of Marines too, is that 
because of Camp Lejeune, their family line ends at their death. Do you know that Camp Lejeune had Agent Orange on it, found by the ATSDR in the 90s in three places on the ground? VA still denies that Agent Orange was on Lejeune. It's not actually, there's no strong evidence. I mean, there is strong evidence to say that um, Agent Orange was at Camp Lejeune. But the problem, and this is one of my pet hobby horses at the moment, um, 245T was found at Camp Lejeune. 24D was found at Camp Lejeune. The components. Yeah, and Solvex was found at Camp Lejeune. Oh, they are is also known as Fenoprop here in the US. The during the um, production of Fenoprop and 245T, dioxin is a byproduct. Mm-hmm. I have searched hundreds of documents. I have not found one mention of dioxin. You know how the government gets around that? They never tested for it, so it will never appear. Yeah, but, but, you know, so there is no total proof. There's no definitive proof that Agent Orange was at Camp Lejeune other than the stories from people that that say they sprayed it, the um, evidence that the... Oh, I've talked to many. Yeah, the helicopter. Yeah. Well, if you don't, if you don't mind me hopping in on this one, this especially yeah. having served on the community assistance panel and having to uh, represent some of the issues of our community, there is that um, we really, really had to stick with the ones that we have proof of, that we have solid proof of, and especially those that affect the largest number of people. Uh, if we if we tried to uh, focus or, or let's say get ATSER or the government to lose focus on those mm-hmm. things and start concentrating on maybe some some other things that were found there too that maybe didn't affect as many people, then unfortunately, I think that would kind of be a bit of a disservice to the rest of the community. That's just just my opinion. There, there's there's plenty bad to talk about. It's not yes. like they're, yeah. they're, we're for and, one. <laughs> and I, can, I completely agree with you. You know, I completely agree with you. That's why I'm, you know, um, the 245T and stuff like that was not something I was going to bring up because you have to be careful because there is no definitive, absolute proof. Well, this isn't a court of law. No, I know, but it, no, 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 no. it does affect our, our credibility, you know, when we right things like that up. And believe me, Sam, I am as angry as you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we, but, we, need, to, we right. need to stick with the benzene, the TCE, yeah. the PCE, the vinyl chloride. The things that are already that proven. was in the water. Yeah. There well, is so solid, is, there is solid, eight, solid eight. proof of those so that they can't ignore yeah. Well, TCE, who the hell doesn't have the memory issues from the TCE? Right. I mean, you got them, Brian. Yeah. I think I, you I got what, if, if I don't make notes at, with, at the house and, and at work 
and and actually do it, doing that right there. If I don't do that, and if I I I ask my wife all the time to remind me mm-hmm. and and tell me stuff because she'll she'll tell me stuff and I and I don't remember it. Yeah, she can tell me. She could tell me something, and a half hour later, I'll be like, I'll, my mind will go blank. I don't exactly. know exactly. Exactly. I got. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, understand. Absolutely. So I'm, I wasn't saying that, you know, that I'm trying to limit that because of that reason. I just, I, I think that if, if, to give, to make sure that all the information that we provide out there is accurate, then, and some of the things as uh, are anecdotal, you know, like, like you uh, seeing the, the sheen. Uh, I happen to see that too. Uh, I was yep. down there uh, for the emergency response uh, team for Hurricane Diana when it came ashore in, in the 80s uh, there at Camp Lejeune. It, it came ashore about 40 miles away, the center pass just 40 miles away. So so we got a bunch of it. So because we had a tropical storm that had deluge of rain that had come down, then it took the contamination that was in our uh, the aquifers where our drinking water came from. And you can imagine what it did. It started pushing the hydraulic pressure because new water entering in was pushing the contamination plumes around. And so it wasn't a surprise at all to be going by that fuel farm with the 19 fuel tanks that was leaking about 1,500 gallons of fuel per uh, per month there at Camp Lejeune. No big surprise that some of the ditches in and around the fuel farm around there, yeah. when, they, when they got water, enough water that was uh, sitting, standing water that was there, that there would be a sheen. I saw it. You saw it. I, that I, makes so. sense. I seen the vapors coming up at the ammo dump. I mean, fucking that dirt looked orange in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. And at night on guard duty, you could watch the fog rise up out of that dirt and cover everything but the tops of the ammo bunkers and only in the spot where there was no vegetation. Yeah. If you went outside of the, I mean, it would come up to a line, and I mean, dead, alive, just a well-cut line, right? And it was sunk in, and fuck that. Mm-hmm. I watched that shit appear every night and disappear every morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, can I'd like to talk to you a little bit, and sh- so that you can share uh, with us. Uh, some things that are going on in the community. Uh, you are uh, one of the leaders in Kentucky, have uh, uh, quite a bit of things uh, going on, especially this last week. You had something that was going on that also got some media attention as well. So mm-hmm. if you could give you, give you a little while here to kind of talk about that. Oh, first thing I want to do, Tim, is uh, I'm, I'm like you and Sam. I was there in 84, <laughs> right around the same timeline. Um, I got all my medical records from when I was at Lejeune, showing where I stayed sick, my sinuses, you name it. I had issues the whole time I was at Lejeune. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff I never had as growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't have it at boot camp. Go mm-hmm. to Lejeune, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I've had to start all these health issues start mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah. And you know, then I, and then once I left there, you know, it, it seemed to slow down, and, and then. All of a sudden, I started having issues with mental capacity, my anger. It, it just 
kept kept building it, built up over the years. And now, and now I'm going through the process with essential tremors, mm-hmm. uh, memory loss, uh, display, like I earlier, I said, I've, on my left side, I just went through a biopsy to, for male breast cancer, which is the biggest cluster of male breast cancer in the history of the United States comes out of Camp Lejeune. Mm-hmm. On, the, on, the, on the 25th of this month, I go back and get more scans done to check my right side to see if that's what that is. Yeah. To talk about what I'm, I've been doing in Kentucky, um, uh, I met you, me and you met in 2016 down in Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. And, you know, I've been uh, advocating ever since then. Um, in 2000, November the 8th, 2018, mm-hmm. uh, we done what we call a awareness uh, outreach in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we went down to the bottom of the hill at the VA hospital. Mm-hmm. I had people come in from Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Virginia. Just, you know, I, this thing turned out bigger than I thought it was ever going to. Uh, we got down there, and there was a uh, lady uh, driving down by the four-lane four interstate that we was at. She hit her brakes, backed, up, backed her car up, and pulled into the medium where we was at. She jumps out with her with her phone and starts recording. She says, "Is it okay if I go live with you all?" And I said, "Yes, it, that that's you can you can." Because she wanted to get the word out about Camp Lejeune. Sure. She said one she said one of my best friends was at Camp Lejeune, mm-hmm. and her name was Heather French Henry, mm-hmm. uh, former Miss America. Yes, yes, and she and she was uh, uh, at one time she was the uh, VA commissioner for the yeah. state of Kentucky. Yes, yes, I've, I've uh, talked to her a couple of times too. Yeah, and I've I talked to her this past week. Fantastic. Um, yeah, she's great. So she uh, she got got on the phone with me because I wouldn't I wouldn't have no luck with any of my senators or congressmen or anything. Mm-hmm. And she said, "I'm going to make a phone call." She said, "You will be in Washington D.C. within the next three weeks." Yeah. So she we talked for a while. She called. Uh, and got me in contact with con- Congressman Andy Barr. Uh, Congressman Barr was actually coming to Kentucky um, in towards the end of the end of the month in November. So the same people that came up for our awareness campaign mm-hmm. came back to Kentucky and met with Congressman Barr at, at his Veterans Coalition meeting. He has those every three months. Mm-hmm. So we. We, we purposely wore our Camp June Toxic Survivor shirts, and he came to me and started talking to me and wanted to know more about it. So I talked to him, and then we had each one of us had an opportunity to stand up and talk to a group of over 200 veterans that was there. Um, after we talked to him, he said, I want every one of you from Camp Lejeune to stay after the meeting and meet with me. So we, we met with him after that. And right then, they set me an appointment up on, it was 30 days later, I was in Washington, D.C., in Congressman Barr's office. Wow. And everything everything just kept clicking and going. Uh, we've done several of these outreaches. Um, I've done eight here in Kentucky. Uh, I've, been to, I've been to West Virginia doing them. I've been to Georgia doing them. I've been outside the gates at Camp Lejeune doing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 14th of last year, 
I worked and pulled together 12 states. Uh, mm-hmm. We coordinated and we got 12 states stand up all at one time. And we had all 12 states got, uh, got airtime. Fantastic. So I'm, I'm working on that again this year. Uh, we're going, we're shooting for May 12th because mm-hmm. we did because 14th this year is on a Saturday and we didn't want to do Friday 13th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but uh, kind of let you know what's uh, what went on this past week. Um, we uh, got together. Um, we knew about the uh, two part that was coming out about Camp Lejeune on yes. uh, CBS News. Yes. So I talked. I'd talked to Jerry Inspringer and and some of the others, Mike Partain, and they said, "Why don't we do another outreach before it airs?" Because mm-hmm. we didn't know if it was going to air the fifteenth or the sixteenth. Mm-hmm. So I I decided, said, "Well, let's do it on the 16th. So it happens to be they had it aired on the sixteenth, and it came mm-hmm. out great. Uh, I had people come in from seven states. We had uh, over 20 people to come and take part of it. Um, we had uh, film four four Marines and one dependent that did not know about Camp Lejeune. Wow. Just from us going out and doing these outreaches everywhere. Yes. Uh, we were in front of the VA regional office at where all the Camp Lejeune claims come to uh, that go to the uh, subject matter experts that deny 95% of our claims. And according to the release of uh, information that uh, the VA gave out during this report is these subject matter experts only get four hours of training to deny everybody from Camp Lejeune they deny a doctor word that has 30 years of experience sure. and yep. that, that no, this can't cause that. And <laughs> we, we need to get that, get the SMEs gone. Right. We need those so to, to, so, so everybody that suffers from this toxic water that we was exposed to that was hid can get compensation, get their medical records, especially uh, they're medical paid for, especially working with right now the dependents. They don't get nothing except uh, ho- hopefully a little bit of reimbursement on medical, but that's not enough to cover what they're going through with their families. Yeah, it's not the kind of aid and assistance that I think would be appropriate given the catastrophe that, that this community has had to suffer through. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to, to uh, move over to Kathy real quick and yeah. talk to her a little bit more about uh, how this affected your family, how it affected you and, and other people that you know, too. Yeah, it was, like I said, if it hadn't been for the gal in the community that helped us out so tremendously, we would have been living out of our vehicle at that point. So, Yeah all the years you put in to do what you got to do and everything mm-hmm. else. And it's like, eh, you want help? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it took, you know, my husband had already filed for um, disability back in 2014 about, let's see, he was diagnosed January 1st of 14. So about April 4th of the same year, he had filed for um, disability. And it was kind of a... 
a weird situation because um, we had been under um, what um, ac- um, Arizona calls access, which is uh, a Medicaid program for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And um, the, um, the oncologist wanted to do um, a PET scan, which basically um, shows where in your body there could be cancer. Well, the insurance denied him it wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. And it suddenly dawns on him, where are the papers I got from the VA or Department of the Navy, whoever it was from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I said, yeah, I've got some of that. He says, we're going to the VA right now. Great. So off we went. That was roughly March of the same year. And off we went. And he, we went to their um, area where they did the intakes. And he explained, look, I'm a veteran from Camp Lejeune. And this is what's going on, and I want care. Well, they got him signed up immediately. Sure. And he's got start getting medication within the same week and all that good stuff. So it was like, okay, we met the oncologist there who was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. If you need an oncologist, he's the man to go to. Wow. Anyway, so he cared for him until the cancer started spreading again to his lumbar spine. About a third of his, I think it was the L3, was eaten away by the cancer. He was in excruciating pain. No so, they, yeah, they fixed that. And uh, that went away, thank goodness. But then not too long after that, as I said, the cancer went to his brain. And within yeah. four months, he was gone. Actually, 22 months he passed from first diagnosis to his death. Yeah. Anyway, so we continued, you know, the deny, deny BS. Yeah. And uh, I think I was up to this. I had substituted as his claimant after he died. Right. And um, very important. Very yes. important. Yes. yes. We, had a, a good, we had a, a VSO here who was also uh, a Marine. He, he liked to blow things up. He was great. I love him. <laughs> Fortunately, he... Uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, anyway, um, he went to a different job and then we got, I got kind of tossed around from, you know, agent to agent there. Yeah. And finally, nothing was going anywhere. So I finally, I said, I started researching um, some of the folks that were part of the uh, CDC and all this other stuff. And yeah. I found an organization right now, I don't remember what it was. Um, and I mentioned them and, or rather emailed them. And they said, well, this is Dr. Can't you remember her name? Anyway, uh, she's kind of an expert in uh, toxic poisoning. Mm-hmm. So got a hold of her. And of course, me, I said, hi, this is Kathy O'Rourke. Da, 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 da. Um, I have a case I'd like you to look at. Da, da, da. And of course, I threw my credentials in there and she got back to me right away. Mm-hmm. Amazing. You got to pull strings. You got to pull strings sometimes. Karen knows that. That's right. That's right. Yes, you do. <laughs> anyway, so we talked, and she said you need a lawyer too. So she referred me to some folks on the East Coast, and she said, "Wait, they're really busy. There's a gal in San Diego, gotcha, uh, who is really good, and all she does is veteran veteran cases." <laughs> so got a hold of her, and unfortunately, you know, twenty five percent later, we did finally get the back pay of disability, but, yeah. you know, like I said, it's, it's not the money, although right. thank the VA for, I'll hit your pocketbooks, but anyway, right. uh, you know, it, it went through finally, and then, you know, the DIC I had already gotten before that because the kidney cancer is presumptive anyway. Yes. 
and they did pay for the um, the other two, lung cancer and liver cancer. So anyway, like I said, you know, 25% later. So that I think yeah. motivates the attorneys also, but that's besides sure. the point. She's a great gal, very supportive and got it taken care of in front of the board. Kathy, did, Kathy, did you get any help at all from the VA re-hearing for him? Um, home help, um, respite care, anything? No, because my husband had... Uh, spent a lot of time there in respite care and the hospital itself. And basically he told me it was around Halloween of 2015. He said, I'm done. I said, done with care or treatment. And he goes, yep. I said, okay, you're coming home. Hmm. We brought him home and within 36 hours he passed. So wow. that was hospice. Yeah. 36 hours. I wow. mean, we both, we both knew it was the end. So um, we wow. did get hospice care at home. Wow. And the VA did pay for that. But you, but you didn't get any home help at home? No. They didn't. We got equipment. They gave us equipment, which nobody delivered. I loaded it up in my vehicle and brought it home. Wow. Yeah. I know, I know with me, um, they did offer me um, home help and respite care um, about a week before he died. And I got the um, letter saying that it had been granted. On the day he died. Yeah, that's typical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the home health, the, well, the hospice nurse actually came in mm. and evaluated him. And like I said, within the next day, he was gone. Yeah. So I said, you know, they brought equipment in a bed, all that good stuff. But it was like, oh, well. Get this, yeah. What's oh. that? Hold home they health. Lay it on us. Lay it on us, Sam. Yeah. They pulled home health from me. For defending myself from an attacker with a gun. Yeah. I had home health. They took care of me and I didn't have to go to them all the time. But because a Marine uses a gun because he's paralyzed in a wheelchair and his attacker ain't. They pulled all home health. And let me to fucking rot on the vine. Yeah, because in their eyes, you're a threat to the community. Right. Yes. Yeah. Bottom line. I mean, it happens here all the time with just, you know, people in our community. Yeah. Constantly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Kathy, thank you so much. If there's, you know, I'm sure there's some other things that you'd love to share with us. And given what you already know about this process and what you've been through, I think that your story uh, definitely gives some people hope uh, that, that, hey, if you, if you stick to it long enough and have the right people on it, that you probably will be able to uh, overcome the VA's denial strategies that they use. Oh, yeah. You're a lawyer. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't want to do that. But then after I spoke with the medical expert and she said, well, a little is better than none. So, right. Yeah. And again, it's not the, it won't bring my husband back, obviously, or no. folks that are no. still with us and suffering. I wasted 16 years. Yeah. Well, and, years. and I'd like to add just, a, just something real quick on, on this topic. One of the things that I hear a lot in the Marine uh, uh, community 
not not across the board, but I do hear it a lot. Brian, you can back me up on this too, and Sam as well. Is that I hear sometimes them say, "Oh, I'm not going to worry about that." Yeah, I got contaminated, but you know, I signed up for it. You know, I signed up for the service. I still I don't want to do anything. And and so yeah, I'm strong enough. I'll make it and everything like that. Well, the thing the thing that you know, I, it finally dawned on me and that I talked to several Marines about that was I, I was saying, wait, wait, hold on a second. Do you have a family? Do you have kids? Do you have a wife? I know you got parents and they may be around or, you know, or do you have any of those? And they'd say, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'd say, do this for them. If you, if you, it, it, I know you understand what you're, you know, I understand your pride and understand that, you know, you, you know, thought that that was doing your duty, just doing your duty, but think about them, you know, th- think about them in this and, and, and consider, reconsider whether you're going to actually try to uh, uh, pursue a claim if it's appropriate. Yeah. To touch on what you're talking about there, Tim, you know, we as Marines signed our lives, put our lives on the line in this country we did not sign the papers for our families Uh, all three of my boys has health issues and and it's been proven that some of these toxins that we was exposed to last five generations of through your family so i'm looking at you know my great great grandchildren can still have some of the effects of these of the tce the pce Mm -hmm. Right, benzene, the vinyl chloride. I mean, when specifically uh, uh, the community assistance panel through CDC has been looking into the epigenicity issue. Exactly. Go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. And you know, you know, that's that's one of the things that uh, when I talk to other Marines and Navy personnel, uh, when I'm out doing these doing these outreaches, you know, if you don't want to do it for yourself, like you, do it for your family. Think about your family. Because yeah. I mean. If if it comes down where I'm I'm not able to work, well, what's my wife going to do? Or yeah. what? It's like with with Karen and them. I mean, they're they've just left they've left in a hard situation because of what the United yeah. States government, the Marine Corps, and the Department right. of Navy done right. to every one of us. Over nine hundred thousand Marine Corps veterans, Navy personnel. That don't that don't include the families that was there or the civilian workers right. and that's you know that's what excuse my friend but that's what pisses me off the most is the denial yeah. of what they done yeah. they admit right. to it but no apology no nothing to help take care of what they done to us wow with that no. let's take a quick little break here uh uh bio and we'll also maybe get a couple of promotions in so uh but don't go anywhere we'll be right back Camp Lejeune Fundraising Merch Proceeds go to Wounded Warriors Care of Camp Lejeune Get yours today Alright, well welcome back We had a little short break there Welcome back I hope uh, I hope everybody out there listening and watching is is really paying attention because these these folks stories their voices have to be heard uh this is this is big this is important and this is just absolutely breaking my heart but it's amazing to be able to sit down and hear y'all stories i can't 
express enough how how grateful I am that you're here with us. Yeah, and like branching off something Karen said in the first section when she said, you know, we didn't know about Camp Lejeune, like mm-hmm. how many people still don't? You might know of Camp right. Lejeune like you know the place. I lived down in Carolina for a while, so I heard of it. But until I started posting, getting, trying to find people to come on the show, and Sam jumped in and said, oh, I got a story for you. I, I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And then he started talking about Camp Lejeune. I was like, what? Yeah, I'd, ne- I'd never heard of it um, up until outside of just a few weeks ago. And my grandfather was actually, he was a Marine. I don't know if he was ever ever stationed there or not, but <laughs> I mean. I've- Fun to find out. My grandfather was. I'm not sure. I think he might have been right before the toxins. I'm not sure. But wow. my, my mother said, oh, yeah. I told her, I'm doing this special at Camp Lejeune. She said, well, your grandfather was there. Wow. That makes me wonder. Wow, dude. See, and that's the thing. This is something that affects so many people that could possibly have absolutely no clue, you know? It makes me wonder, like, they had the Burger King they talked about. Do you you guys think that, even though it might not be as extensive because they're not there long, but, like, it's even affecting people possibly are just passing through and stopping to eat at that Burger King? Yeah. Yeah. That aren't even going to be accounted for. Sure. If they were aboard the if they were aboard the base for any length of time, then you would expect expected they um, at least had consumed something that that was prepared with it or had it in it. Yeah. Crazy. So with that, yeah. if you all want to take back, yeah, off. absolutely. Yeah. Let's let's get right well, back into it. Thank you. Speaking of, if you uh, if you don't mind, I would like to show uh, share a screen real quick for uh, for you guys. Okay, here's a map of the United States. This this is the uh, Camp Lejeune historic drinking water site that the Marine Corps has, uh, and uh, maybe Marine Corps, the government. As you can see, uh, you can hover across each one of them state by state and see how many registrants they have. The, the table of registrants or the people who have registered on this site are people who know about it, either they're following it or they're they know about it and are asking basically the Marine Corps to give them information, additional information. As one would expect, you can see the uh, several states on the East Coast are are a high concentration, a high number of them. Uh, it happens to be California because, of course, there are a lot of uh, Marines that you know uh, got their start in California, in or around California. Uh, let me uh, stop sharing here. A lot of those sites are also sites where people have retired to as well, California, Florida, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, I thought you guys might find that a little interesting there and uh, that link. That happens to be the official marine link. Now, the, the one thing that it does say in the very lower right-hand corner today, and this number does change, uh, is that there are a total number of registrants of 273,707. So... <laughs> Does that say that there's that many people who do know and that there's still a, a few people that don't know? I think that the number of registrants is probably a little overrepresentative uh, there because there are a lot of people who are following it. And let's also remember that of the community that's affected, like we were talking about, is if you got exposed, uh, the people who got directly exposed, they have family members that are affected and are going to want to know. <laughs> a little bit more about it and this is there so they're going to sign up even though they don't provide a whole lot of information but you know given given all of that i wanted to you did just given the the conversation that brandon and nick just had uh 
You're right uh, back. There is well, well, I think also, too, that um, when they did the awareness campaign that um, the uh, Congress, I think it was 2008, if I remember correctly, they told the Marines that they needed to get the word out, that they needed to inform people. Most of it, I think there was something like about 600 and something media outlets that they contacted. And there's way more than that in the US, obviously. Mm -hmm. They mainly did their awareness campaigns around North Carolina. Out here on the West Coast, That's right. we heard nada. There was nothing. Right. Um, we never knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that's the same way here in Kentucky. You know, since I've been doing doing these awareness outreaches, mm -hmm. um, when I first started doing them in 2018, mm -hmm. they were just a little over 2,300 here in Kentucky. Since right. I started doing these here in Kentucky, mm -hmm. we're at 2,412. So I've reached right at 70 people here in Kentucky that did not know. Right. And we... Mm -hmm. And this past Wednesday, when we done the outreach in uh, Louisville, we found four Marines and one dependent this past Wednesday. So there's five more that's going sure. to be getting in contact with uh, the Marine Corps because I gave them the website and told them where to go to and who to see to get registered on this. Now, a lot of people think just because they're on this registry, it's a health registry. Yeah, it's not. No, it's they, not. They, 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 it is not. That It is not a health registry. It's just to get a number of count of people that know about Camp Lejeune. Now, to, going, going to the health registry. Yeah. That's I done a petition, me and Dan Bailey from Alabama, which has a brain tumor from this. Uh, me and him actually met uh, same time me when uh, me and you met Tim in 2016 yes. at the camp meeting. Uh, we've worked together uh, on this stuff, doing these uh, outreaches and stuff uh, with the health registry. Um, camp Lejeune is the only one that does not have a health registry. Correct. Yeah. Uh, they even gave a, the VA even gave a health registry to the earthquake in Japan. Yes. So, you know, it's crazy. We're not, we're the only ones that don't have one. So we, in March 17th of last year, I had uh, a crowd of close to 200 people show up here in Kentucky. Um, I had uh, Senator McConnell's uh, representation. I had Senator Rand Paul uh, people there. I had Senator uh, or Congressman Barr's people. I had all my state and local people there. My The mayor of my town here in Winchester is a Marine that was in Camp Lejeune. Mm -hmm. He was actually in the same series, uh, Tim, with uh, Kevin Wilkins. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was some first battalion. That was some first battalion yeah. crap, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and one one of my state representatives uh, that's working with me mm -hmm. is uh, a Marine from Camp. That was at Camp Lejeune. Yeah. Um. So with this health registry, with this petition. Uh, what they done, they took it back to Washington, D.C., yeah. 50,000 signatures, and they looked and seen what they could do to help with it. And with this uh, toxic exposure in American military, H.R. 2127 is, mm -hmm. is uh, 
they call it the Team Act, which with with that, if we can get them to pass that, that would give them force the VA through the Secretary of the VA to do more depth uh, studies on Camp Lejeune plus other exposures. Fantastic. Wow. That, and so there is, you're right, there are efforts that are ongoing. This isn't done by any means. There's no. a lot more stuff going on now. As, as, as anyone here would probably also point out that it comes way, way late. There's so many people mm. that it could have been helped that, did, that haven't been helped already just because of these delays. And you can chalk it to up, up to a lot of things. And one of them was the Marine Corps actually this, uh, and the Navy uh, deciding that they were going to try to slow down or try to stop. I guess they were CYA protecting their own uh, uh, situations there. To, but when they did, then that ended up delaying even anyone really knowing that there was something wrong and that had, had, had become a super fun site and that was subject to federal regulations and cleanup that they fought. They did fight. At first, they were going to go uh, have uh, North Carolina just police them and do that. But the EPA <laughs> said, hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is much bigger. It's much bigger. So anyway. The uh, government has known since 1970 when Congress passed the Clean Drinking Water, water Act, Act. Yep. what TCE would do to the human body. Oh, yes. The Marine Corps was told to shut down all chemicals coming into Marines at that time. Yes. But they ignored it. That's right. You're all right. You're absolutely right. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, that, that particular question actually goes back to something that occurred back in uh, the early 60s in the Department of Navy. And they have a regulation that is in their uh, Bureau of Medicine documents that uh, talks about the quality of water uh, ashore, of ashore water supplies. And in it, it has a regulation in there that has a couple of different tests that are supposed to be conducted uh, on, on water that we don't have proof that they ever conducted those tests, but you're trying to prove a, prove a negative if you're trying to say that they never conducted tests. Maybe they did. <laughs> maybe somebody forgot about it or maybe something got lost. But, you yeah. know, and so, so you can't prove the negative on that. But, you know, it was because uh, uh, and in fact, that's what uh, the Marine Corps uh, happened to say. But anyway. No, Tim, that's like me. When I when I came down to my first meet cat meeting there in 2016, yeah, you know, when when it was time for uh, people to ask questions other than the cat panel to anybody on the panel, what does the VA do? They jump up and run out. Mm -hmm. They left. They would not talk to us. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah. that tells us right there that you know they don't they don't care. They don't they don't care. I got to get Mick and 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 Brandon's, I mean, reaction to that, especially having heard what they've heard so far and heard what the VA did uh, in that meeting, that they got up and walked out. They wouldn't talk to actual veterans. 
that were there that were affected. That's wow. Cra that's crazy to me. Absolutely I, I crazy. Can't, I can't even fathom how that decision was made. Uh, I'm, at, I'm at a loss for words, and that doesn't happen very often, y'all. No, don't. <laughs> it's, it's, the, you know, Brian. Yes. Brian, are you like me? When you you know you come into direct contact with a number of um, you know you were just talking about it how it was first contact. Mm -hmm. Are you like me where it absolutely breaks your heart? I have signs on my car that talk about Camp Lejeune. You know the signs, and well, I um, I you know mm -hmm. I have people come up to me and I am the first person that has to tell them that they were exposed that the reason that their wife has breast cancer or their kids have different disabilities is probably or, or why their wife had miscarriages or why their yeah. child was stillborn or why uh the male is sterile i mean yes. it's i mean so so many health issues that that it's crazy you know and for everybody listening, if you know someone that has been at Camp Lejeune, please, please have them contact. Tell them, tell, tell them about it. Yeah. If they have, put my put my phone number, my email on here at at the end, and they can call me. I will talk with them. I will I will steer them in the right directions to get help. Yeah, I think the look on their face, you know, as they as they realize what you're telling them, it's just it's absolutely heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. yes. Brian, really I, I have a, just real quick for Brian. Yes. People that are watching this and whether they're people that are no Camp Lejeune and they're just finding this out or if it's people that aren't part of Camp Lejeune, but they do hear it and they want to help. Like, is there something they can also do, like contacting their congressman, congressman, and they 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 con they can contact their congressmen and their senators, um, talk tell them they want to talk to them about the Camp Lejeune Justice Act, um, HR two one, I think nine two. I'm having a one of my fuzzy moments there, but uh, we can we can get the numbers for you. Uh, there's especially Camp June Justice Act. It's it's going to be a big help on getting every person that was there get their rights back that the state of North Carolina took from us. Yeah, and the, uh, the Justice Act in the Senate, there's a companion bill that was uh, uh, dropped, and it's, uh, it's S is in Sierra dot 3176. That's the Camp June Justice Act. And that is, is the version that's in the Senate. There's also one that's in the uh, in the House of Representatives too. We wrote it down here. It is uh, HR six four eight two. That's now, the, the House. There's, there's, a, there's another version too, Tim. Um, yeah. The two two you're talking about is identical, right? Because they like they right. like the Senate version a whole lot better. Correct. Um, on that correct we'll have all that information in the description of the show too so if people have to go back yeah yeah absolutely so everyone yeah, has every state has two senators and so everyone who listens to this that really wants to act they already have at least two people 
maybe the, the third if they want to contact their representatives and their constituent and let them know to support uh, the, this uh, important legislation. And, and they can, they can, if they want to see more about it, they can, uh, they can Google Kent Lejeune toxic water. Uh, another thing they can do, uh, you can get the, you can, you can, uh, watch this documentary online or, or order it. I mean, if you can make, make it through the first 20 minutes of this without a tear, without getting pissed at your, at the Marine Corps, the federal government on what they've done to us, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here will tell you a lot of what they've done to us. And I will say that all of the all of the team here at Coast to Coast, we all watched it, and you guys yes. got to watch it. It makes a world of difference. You wouldn't believe it. Yes, that that documentary was definitely one of the most powerful documentaries I've ever witnessed. You well, know, I'm looking at a um, a paper here. Um, it was the one I printed off when I was at your place, Tim. Yes. And there is a sentence here that I will read and I will just leave it as it is. And this, this shows part, partially what we're, what we're fighting. During the 1950s to 1985, some of the drinking water in Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune was contaminated with low levels of industrial chemicals. Yeah. including TCE and PCE. Yeah. The Navy estimated that approximately 630,000 Marines and sailors were potentially exposed to this contaminated water, as well as DOD civilians and family members. There was way more than 630,000. Yeah. It was not low levels. You know, and it, it was, and they're finding out that the levels, in fact, of, of volatile organic compounds, VOCs, that's what these yeah. are, PCE, PCE, is that uh, when you take a shower, guess what you're breathing? Yeah. The fumes, the volatized, you're breathing the vapors. If you worked at the, the mess hall, you were breathing the vapors. If you worked at a facility like I did, electronics repair, where there was a plume underneath your building, you were breathing the vapors as well. And in fact, we used it in a raw form in cleaning uh, yeah. printed circuit yeah. cards in, in the Marines at the lab. And we got exposed to it. So, and then you're, you're putting it on your skin every time you take a shower. And believe me, if anyone's been down at Camp Lejeune during some of the more uh, hot and humid <laughs> times of the year, you're, you may take more, uh, a couple of showers a day, literally. Yeah. And a Marine would have no uh, compunction about taking two showers in a day, maybe more. Oh, <laughs> they had well, to. You know, some of the figures I grabbed, or one of the figures I grabbed, this um, the yeah. U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, their allowable li uh, limit for um, TCE in drinking water is five parts uh, per billion. Mm -hmm. One of the readings that they took in um, May 1982 showed a maximum level of TCE in the drinking water as 1,400 parts per billion. I'm going on with TCE. Um, one of the people I work with is Dr. Ray Dorsey. Uh, he's a specialist in, 
Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. Being exposed to TCE, you got a 500% more chance wow. of getting Parkinson's disease mm-hmm. being exposed to TCE. I already <laughs> got tremors. And if, you, if you'll notice, uh, my wife right now is doing her homework on, on the computer, so I'm using my cell phone right now. If you'll see, you'll probably see uh, a lot of shaking and stuff where I'm holding my mm-hmm. holding uh, holding my phone because it's it's my central tremors kicking in and, and going. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I apologize for for that happening, but it's the government's fault, the Marine Corps' fault that it's happening to me. That's right. Yeah, it sure is. Kathy. No sane man walks away from a hundred thousand dollar a year electrician job. I had two years to go, and I'd have four weeks of vacation. Wow, fuck, dude! I was set in life. I did not want to leave the sweet spot. You know, absolutely. And Kathy, I'd I'd like to kind of yeah. get your uh, opinion on some of this stuff, and also more of your thoughts as well. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, going back to the dates that they highlight, 1953 to 87, uh, there's, I believe, a study somewhere that said it may have gone back as far as 1947. Yes. I don't know for sure uh, if that's fact or just opinion at this point. Anyway, we've lost three family members to Lejeune's toxic sludge. My father-in-law was there, uh, I believe, up until, uh, they say 52. He had to be home sometime because my husband was born in June of 53. So oh. anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, then my husband was there 72 to 75. Mm-hmm. And then my brother-in-law, who's my, or was my husband's next oldest brother. He was the oldest of six kids. Anyway, passed in March of last year, all from cancers of some type. Mm. My husband, kidney cancer, my brother-in-law of a colorectal cancer that spread to his liver. Mm. So, yeah, we've lost three family members to this. And, um, you know, I wonder now, too, we lost a grandson. I know Karen and I talked about this. A grandson in 2013. uh, He was four years old from a twisted bowel. Hmm. and uh yeah exactly so you know we're talking generational here i have three sons that all have some kind of issues of somewhere you know you have your autoimmune stuff some of them have the um, the eczema and that kind of stuff i have my middle son who is uh diagnosed with a bipolar disorder adhd his youngest daughter is also adhd none of which is in the family history at all. So, you know, I'm wondering, yeah. you know, how far is it going to go? I've heard as far as 10 generations, Kathy. Yeah, Lord. Well, I mean, three for me is enough. I hear you. <laughs> one. One is enough. One. Yeah, one. absolutely. I agree with you saying one is enough. Yeah, definitely. And it should never happen to, the, to us at all. Exactly. You know, you I think it can go down about um, three or so generations and yeah. start to weaken. That's generally what I've, what I've they go. 
Yeah, three to four generations. Those are the ones. After that, then the the math on it, uh, just probability-wise, ends up getting to be much smaller of a possibility. It's still possible, but it's just the possibility starts to get much, much smaller after uh, three generations from what I Yeah. And then back to elected representatives, I've, you know, emailed and contacted everyone here in Arizona. I have gotten, I got a recent email response from uh, Senator Mark Kelly, who basically addressed it to (laughs) Mr. O'Rourke. And yeah, (laughs) and uh, told me all the wonderful things he's been doing and everything else. And he mentioned Agent Orange and burn pits and all this (laughs) wonderful stuff. And I responded back to him and I said, just FYI, Mr. O'Rourke died six years ago. And I specifically asked you about Camp Lejeune, which you did not respond to. Thank you for your time. Yeah. The only other person I know of at this point in Arizona is uh, Raul Grijalva. He's one of our representatives Mm -hmm. who has supported this and that's it. Wow. Period. Um, Kathy, um, do you know Bob Tahim? Yeah, I know. Uh, I, he lives I, in Arizona. Uh, he actually yeah. sent me. He actually sent me an email that Senator Kelly uh, sent him, which is identical to what you got. I've right. got I've got the email saying it, talking about talking about the burn pits and everything else, but he does not talk about anything about nothing. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I think he's the only. Uh, Bob is the only other one, and there's one gal here in Tucson that I'm aware of that are, you know, uh, have been at the gym. Right. my husband, but yeah, that's it. I couldn't get a single politician in Oregon, none of them, none of them to respond, to even call me back. Mm. Oregon should be ashamed of their politicians, straight up. Same here. They're more worried about uh, securing the border and drug cartels and everything else here. That's the they're more right worried now. about COVID. Yeah. And it's a goddamn made-up flu. Well, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not yeah. go there. Yeah, anyway. Exactly. Let's stick to Camp Lejeune. <laughs> I mean, right. as, as bad as as it is, yeah, Camp Lejeune. There's plenty for us to talk about on that area. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I agree. Anyway, uh, something else I'd like to put on is this mm-hmm. book right here: "A Trust Betrayed." This this right here. I couldn't. I couldn't make it through the first two pages of chapter three, talking about all the babies, baby heaven, the cemetery yeah. down, mm-hmm. down there at Camp Lejeune with all the babies and the kids that, that have died. When it com- comes to talking about Janie, Janie was uh, Dream Springer's daughter that passed away from childhood leukemia. You know, I was. I was. We was all down there when Jerry was there. Yeah. Janie was there when we was. Yeah. And. None of us knew the hell that Janie was going through, that mm-hmm. Jerry was going through, right. that w- that we would later be suffering from. Right. It was quite the harbinger there. <laughs> so Janie died in 1985 when they shut down the wells. Yeah, well, 26. 
You, you watch a documentary, yeah. listen, listen to them talk about whale 26. Yeah. They poisoned me in 1986 when they turned them back on. Yeah. Stating yeah. that with low water conditions and they had there to were. poison us. Historically, there have been occasions, especially during the summertime, uh, where there aren't any tropical storms coming their way. And instead, they, they tend to get uh, not as much uh, water into the well field, into that well field there and as that happens then they have to be careful uh in that sort of situation if they try to suck too much out of it that the that the suction from that will cause a, a saline intrusion from the nearby ocean water and, oh, cool. and river and then then after it gets polluted with saline then it can't be used for uh drinking water any longer can i touch on something real quick Go, go, go for sure, it. Go right ahead. Because um, I, I just want to make sure that this is put out there so people understand the baby heaven thing. Oh, so to my understanding, ain't it where that ain't even all of them? They spread them out to other graves, and you guys probably don't even really have a total of how many babies there are. Yes. Um, yes. There was a lady who did a research on um, in the county records. And she had an accurate tally. And where they were uh, buried, uh, some were buried there on base. Some were buried right off yeah. base. And then some of them were also born, or, or excuse me, uh, buried at a cemetery that was in New Bern, North Carolina, mm -hmm. no north of, of Camp Lejeune. Yeah. And in fact, one th there's been a couple of stories that have uh, been done in a couple of the uh, community assistance panel members that have been very active in chasing down why and who. And one of the things I thought was peculiar, this is, you know, just my opinion, having seen, you know, what they were doing was that in the New Bern Cemetery, it appears that the, the parents, it'll usually list on the headstone the, uh, the armed forces branch that the parents served in there. Um, yeah. But uh, on some of them, and these were, these were headstones that were from the 70s and 80s that were up there. A few of them said United States Air Force, United States Army Air Force, AAF, that which is a 1940s designator of, of, of service. So it, it just seemed a bit confusing because then when, when apparently the folks looked that back up, they realized, well, why, why would they have put that designator on there? It seemed more of a, as you know a, a possible uh, confusion that they were sowing there. But anyway, maybe there was also a, there was also a lot like Janie who were actually taken home to a different state to be buried. So right, yeah. So there's no truth. Oh, count the ones that uh, the mothers left there pregnant and went to other bases and uh, gave birth and the child was stillborn or died later either. Right. Yeah. Right. And then there's the, there's the probably thousands of us who our babies never made it to birth. We lost them before they could be born. And hey, Brian. Yes, sir. This is another book by uh, Reservist who was there at Lejeune. 
It's accurate. Well, pretty damn accurate, I think. Jesus. It's called The Deadly Snafu by George Swimmer. Yeah. Go talk to George. Well, I'm, if you really, honestly, uh, my opinion uh, is that uh, the two materials that you really need is the, uh, um, the uh, documentary uh, mm -hmm. and also the Semper Fi. Uh, Semper Fi. And if you and if you happen to get the book, and we're going to try to get uh, Mike Magner, uh, the author of that book, he's been involved, and he has a website of the of Camp Lejeune that is the a trust betrayed, where for a while he did keep it keep it up on current events. If you want to find out more about current events, uh, there's a website, the few, the proud, uh, the forgotten .com, tf, tp, tf com. That one is a great website repository of more documents uh, about this contamination from uh, from the Navy, from uh, the Marine Corps, from EPA, from North Carolina. <laughs> There's a bunch of links to you could send. Proof. You could spend literally months going through and reviewing each of the documents that are up there, uh, and but. You can save your time because some of us have. <laughs> some of us have already gone up there and we know where the documents are. And, and again, Mike uh, Partain has come up with a timeline of events that happens to be linked to documents that is very accurate, very well produced. Uh, if, if you really want to know about what happened when in the timeline, let's say the real timeline of events, what happened, then then look at Mike Partain's uh, timeline at tftptf.com. Uh, and like I said, it has links to every one of the documents. So it's documented in, uh, in a very great way. Mike did a fantastic job on that. If you have a question about what happened when, on some of them, I'd, I'd say start there. Definitely start there. And it's interesting to compare it to the um, marine timeline. The official marine timeline is also on there. And there's five um, timelines, yeah. <laughs> four or five marine timelines. Uh, they've revised it several times. <laughs> Mike, Mike has one. <laughs> yeah. Another thing they can do, too, is uh, we've got a uh, group uh, – on Facebook, it's called Kent Lejeune Toxic Water Survivors. Mm -hmm. uh, they can also come on there and ask to join. I'm one of the mediators on the group. So if they put it on there that they they seen this uh, and put it on there, we'll, we'll, we'll review and let them join. And if you have been at Kent Lejeune, you can learn a lot. You a lot of the health issues that yes. uh, people from all across the country are going through on this site. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of links to government web pages and proof. Yes, this is as they had, as they have said, Camp Lejeune ends up being a uh, one of those military conspiracies that actually is true. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that is proof. Yeah. That is proof. Who would have thought? <laughs> In fact, who yeah, who would have thought? Like you know, Hollywood, like I was saying, makes you know makes a good storyline for many of these. But people are like, "Oh, that's just too fantastical." Well, in this case, <laughs> the 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 proof is you know the the what what they say. Uh, <laughs> it's there. It's in the proof pudding. is in the pudding. 
Yeah. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to reality. Our kid <laughs> reality. <laughs> in this yeah. The water was in your pudding. It was in, in your soups. It was yeah. in your shower. It was in what you drank. It was in everything we done there. Yep. And all the buildings, I'd point out, that it, it happens to be really close to the ocean. And because of that, you can't have basements in, in for, for all of you that, you know, need just be aware of that as far as uh, construction, building construction down there is typical. Is that there's a slab instead. And every slab has points in it that are either fractured uh, uh, naturally afterwards or are introduced just by the people who are building them to allow it to flex, to allow the uh the foundation to be able to move without without okay so because of that then uh, if there is a contamination which there was huge contamination plumes uh in the aquifer right underneath those buildings yeah then the the vapors uh end up volatizing and working their way up through the crack on a, on that type of a foundation of a building they'll collect up and underneath yeah. the foundation and then work like their way parachute. up into the to the uh the, the area where occupants are going to be you know that you would normally expect above ground so many of them were breathing they Maybe they didn't drink any of the water. Maybe they didn't. Uh, and that it may have been the yeah, inhalation right. hazard from them having to go in there frequently that wow. would, have, would have been an issue as well. I think it's also worth mentioning, too, that... Do you need out? It's worth mentioning that we all know about Love Canal. We all know about... Basto. Yeah. We all know about um, the Flint water crisis, etc. Because it has. Love Canal looks like a fucking baby. But this particular, you know, Camp Lejeune is the biggest water contamination in recent American history, if not North American history. Yes. Yeah. And nobody knows about it, or very few people know about it. There's no. The government's been hiding like, it. Yeah, they've gone. They've gone to some pretty great extents, and that's why that book, A Trust Be Trade, really, really catalogs some of the uh, comments and attempts to kind of whitewash or or hide the issue. And they were successful for many years, but then, you know, people like Jerry Ensminger and uh, Mike Pertain and uh, some of the other members, uh, you know, Major uh, Townsend. You know, being able to to bring it back and keep it going all these years have got got us to a point now where finally, yeah, yeah. we're at least able to get a, a, a get better traction on notification of people. Yeah, because it, it went for a slow speed there for two or three years, and then yeah. then it's picked it's picked up back more traction in, in the last uh, four years that uh, that's uh, been yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah, the public definitely needs to get behind us. It's not good enough to walk up to a veteran, veteran and say, thank you very much for your service two days a year, one of them being the wrong day. But they need, they need to get behind us. They need to get involved. Because yeah, it so should be a public outcry. I'm going to have to slip for a minute. My dog's complaining that he needs out. So go ahead. I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, we'll see you, Sam. Come on. And that may be an unpopular thing for them to hear, but 
it's the truth. You know, they need to get behind us. Well, and the other thing I think I would point out is that, you know, regardless of someone's, let's say, political leanings or stripe, uh, what, what's most important here is that the, the contamination doesn't care who you voted for, doesn't care where you live, doesn't care who you love uh, or who you love, doesn't care at all, does not care. Uh, it, it treated everyone the same. So as far as it being, a, unfortunately, it is a political issue, but it's really not. It affected everybody the same. <laughs> No, it, I mean, you've got some that, that very has very few issues or none at all. It's just according to how much you drank, how much you showered, how much you ate, especially like with the children. You know, back back in when this was going on, a lot of the uh, children's formula was powder. So they mixed, it was mixed with water. So, I mean, that's that the children probably got it more than we did. Yep. Well, we, we probably should take a break here in a, in a few minutes, but I, if you don't mind, I'd like to give Kathy some last words before the break here. To, oh, yes, it's dangerous. <laughs> go ahead, the floor is yours, Kathy. You want to take a break? The, the floor is yours. No, go ahead. No, we want, okay. I'd like to hear some of what your thoughts are before we take a break. Well, my thoughts are, especially with my husband, you know, he signed up to do a job basically, swore to protect his country, its residents, its citizens. Um, I remember he told me a story once, I don't remember if he was still here in the States or he was in Japan getting ready on the boat to go to Vietnam, but anyway. Um, he told me about a, a fellow Marine or a couple of them. They were out sunbathing and two of them got sunburned. Mm. And uh, they went back to camp and whatever. And both of them were on report for damaging government property. Yep. So what's the government's excuse for damaging government property? as far as poisoning Marines. Oh, we didn't know about it. Oh, bullshit, you didn't know about it. It's... Good question. Yeah. That's a good question. Real good yeah. question. Yeah. A lot of us, I think, have probably touched on it at one time or another in our conversations. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, it's like, well, if you can put them on report for um, sunburn. What are you doing about, you know, they're drinking the water, bathing in it? shower up you know the whole nine yards and you know dying from it suffering for how many years i know it this is going to sound maybe cruel but in a way i'm grateful my husband only suffered for 22 months mm -hmm. terrible yeah. thing to say yeah. when i speak to other you know people on on the websites and stuff and they've been going 20 plus years maybe Great. longer shorter and you know it's like oh lord you know it's just not right it's absolutely not right. No, I'll toss it back to Nick and uh, Brandon here for some yeah. final thoughts before the break. I tell you what, guys, I, I seriously hope that a lot of people watch this. Yeah, yeah. This is this is just absolutely eye-opening uh, for me, and I hope everybody out there watching and listening sticks around for for after the break um 
because man, this is just heavy. It's incredible. Yeah. We'll We'll be right back. We'll be right back, everybody. All right. Well, we're back for our last little segment here of the Camp Lejeune special. Um, I just want to say real quick, I did put some ads around to get the word out that we're doing this in some places, like the Marine Facebook page where I caught on with Sam. And uh, we are getting attention. I've had 1,500 interactions with it just in the last seven days, so that's pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to try to keep pushing this thing. So with that, let's keep rolling. Yeah, let's get back to it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think – that people can't understand, especially Marines that served is that along with many other service members that we know in our veterans community, we know that they are are proud of their service, proud of the military, proud of the job that they did. So what we are talking about here, it's proof, it is proven. I mean, you can go back and look at it and make your own opinion on that if you wish you're there but in no means by saying this are we trying to dis- besmirch the the hmm. marine corps or military service in any way i'm i know all of us who have served better on here are proud to have done so and uh so th- i just wanted to make that absolutely clear one of the things that uh we i unfortunately i think it touches upon is a a few of maybe the senior uh, personnel uh, uh, at Camp Lejeune decided to make it a uh, more of an institution, protect the institution issue once they found out about it, then a protect the troops issue. And so I, I've got a little bit of a problem with that, having, you know, taken the, the oath and the code of honor and, you know, kept to my end of the bargain. They're like most other Marines, almost all other Marines do. So that's what, that's, I guess, what sits kind of a little bit crossways on us about that. So just want to throw that in there and also get, get, uh, get your opinions on that too. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud as hell when I became a Marine. That was, you know, that was me. I, I done that. I earned that title. That's right. You know, and, if they was to call me back today, even with my health issues, mm-hmm. I will go back and I will defend this country today. And, you know, there's nothing more being prouder than to earn that title. You're not given that title of U.S. Marine. You, you earn the title. That's right. You're, you're absolutely right. And I know, Sam, you feel the same way. If you want to throw a couple of couple of uh, thoughts in towards that and just to make sure that it, it we this isn't an anti-military thing this is an a, a, a problem that they just need to address that they should have addressed and let's hope that in hearing this that people's awareness of it may drive them to to change their behavior if we, if there's no other accident like camp lejeune or incident oh, wow. incident like camp lejeune that or whatever happened from here on out i'm holding my, i'm not holding my breath but wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be what yeah. we would really want is to make there sure that it never happens again? That's yeah. a shadow box that hangs on my wall. Right on. Right on, brother. Those are real deals. Yeah. Thanks. I should have banned that from the Vietnam War used in combat. 
actual K bar from the Marine Corps, actual expert badges, yep. rifle and pistol. Yeah, those are me. Yeah, right on, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first met Bob and I said, oh, you're a former Marine, I was immediately corrected and said, I will always be a Marine. Like, okay. Yeah, there, there's never a former Marine. Once it, you, exactly, once yes. you, that <laughs> you are a Marine for life. Like it or don't. <laughs> yes, I was immediately corrected on that subject. <laughs> and I was married to him for 38 years. I guess I got the message. Yeah. <laughs> And I know you're extremely proud, too, of his service of and, and of things that you've done in support of not just him, but done yourself, I'm sure, in, uh, uh, yeah. to speak out on behalf of uh, uh, people in our country, of you and, and our community. It's, it's fantastic to have had the opportunity to have you in this show to be able to share your, your thoughts. And, you know, I'll, I'll also, okay. it, it, you, you know what you're talking about. And, and you show it, you definitely show it. And so if it is an inspiration to other women that, you know, are in the same situation or even some men whose spouses mm -hmm. are in that same situation, then fantastic. It's, you know, such a great thing. Well, I think what makes me most, I guess, pissed off is our elected officials. Sure. Yeah. Especially about, you know, I, it, I feel like if you're west of the Mississippi, you're like, you know, cut off from the rest of the country with this subject anyway. And I know Karen and Sam are on this side of the Mississippi, too. So uh, it's me too, but just really useless being ignored. Me too, but just barely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, barely. Exactly. And I've already, you know, I've already had uh, altercations, shall we say, with local governments. Uh, Regarding the Camp Lejeune, you know, well, we can't cover mm -hmm. that caused by Camp Lejeune. Uh, yeah. We can't cover that because this and that, you know, your insurance, this and that. Well, bullshit. We, yeah. You can't. It took me yeah. a year to fight for stuff, but I got that done. And, you know, after six years, it was getting, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And it get, was getting harder. <laughs> That's why I finally, you know, turned to an attorney to assist me. There you go. And uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad that you that you shared that because that is uh, quite important is that at some point in the process, you're going to probably have to get an attorney involved. As with many of the, the Camp Lejeune claims, the last time that I looked at them, which was about a couple of years ago, the claims that, that were being sent to the Board of Veterans Appeals were equally split between denied and granted in one form or another possible grant the ones that were it was 25 percent of them were granted on average 25 percent roughly roughly uh 25 percent were remanded which is important those are the ones that are sent back down from uh the board uh right. judge back down to va to with specific instructions on what to do right but, but the, there are about half of them that are denied now that's in in va as a whole va claims as a whole but then you look at the at camp lejeune and see the claims rate is uh, the the actual grant rate is more in the 10 percent. maybe maybe go as goes up to 15 because of the presumptives program that they're that they now have right. put in place but still 15 percent. how in the heck can you call that a successful program not my I mean, book. 
Uh, right. No, uh, it, took, it took me at least 50% on my classes in school to you know, be able yeah, right. to by the skin of my teeth. There. <laughs> but, you know, 15%? No, they would have said, no, you didn't even bother doing the test, did you? Did you? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> well, you know, Jim, you know. Uh, okay. going, going to talk about the percentage there. Yes. Uh, the CBS report that uh, came out this Wednesday, past Wednesday, uh, on Camp Lejeune was talking uh, about the SME, the subject matter experts and stuff that uh, yes. Camp Lejeune, uh, VA uses for Camp Lejeune. Yes. Uh, before, before the uh, subject matter experts came into play, uh, the average rate was about 25% approval. Mm -hmm. Since they can come into play, which uh, uh, the VA told, told them it dropped yeah. down to about five percent. About five percent. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's for June. Yeah, now yeah, it's up to seventeen percent. Yeah. That's just for Lejeune. Okay. And yeah. then now what up. gets me is <clears throat> you've got these doctors that's been thirty years studying cancer, treating cancer, mm -hmm. and and knows what causes these cancers. And then the VA hires these people, gives them four hours of training uh -huh. to override thirty years of experience. Something yep. is very wrong with that picture. Very, very wrong. Yep. And one of them that did Jay's um, um, CNP. Yeah, CNP, compensation and pension. Yeah. One of them, he, he had two. He had one that was um, a couple of weeks before he died. And he had a second one that was about six months after he died. Um, but one of them was actually a medicine. Um, doctor who had had four hours training i mean how what does this a, a sports medicine doctor know about oncology the brain cancer etc i've uh, heard of physicians assistants being yes. used yeah. as smes yes. yes not even a full medical doctor being used as expert medical advice yeah, when we found out about the SME program, it was mainly through the the our community outreach. We had gotten uh, several people who sent in their denials that they'd received, and in those denials, it happened to mention a Camp Lejeune subject matter expert, and then it would say, obviously, they have to put the name, you know, of the person who's doing it. and and their title, MD, PA, you know, whatever. But then, uh, okay, so we got redacted versions of those from these individuals. And as we started putting them together, we developed a, a, a pattern that we were seeing and talking about Cape Lejeune uh, subject matter experts. So at the next community assistance panel meeting that I went to, I specifically asked the, the folks at the Veterans Benefits Administration that were there about such a program, a subject matter expert program. And they denied it. And then the next meeting that we went to, CAP meeting, I, I asked them about it again, and they totally changed their tune. They said that, oh, yes, they have one, and oh, such a wonderful thing. In fact, it worked so good on Camp Lejeune that we're going to use it for burn pits and other types of uh, uh, environmental exposures uh, uh, through VA claims that are being done. And I was like, oh, you, they just totally doubled down on it. <laughs> I mean, totally doubled down. It was amazing. But uh, since then, we've found out that they have taken the majority of the SMEs. And as one 
you know, just I'll, I'll put out there that uh, they hire contractors to do the SME work. They're the SMEs now. And they still are the ones processing the claim. But now that way it, it has helped to kind of protect them. They can just, you know, hey, my hands aren't on this. I, it's not me. I did, they, they said this. So they're hiring, uh, co- they've already hired contractors that for many of the claims they do today that they use a subject matter expert, they're deflecting some of the blame, if you will, by, by hiring a contractor uh, to do it. Yeah. But still <laughs> results in the same number. And <laughs> Tim, you, you know you know more about this, obviously, than, than Nick or I. I'm just curious, how can somebody receive that minimum amount of information and yeah. be called a subject matter expert? Mm-hmm. To me, someone yeah. outside of the military, someone who is not a Marine, right. how is that even possible? You know, that's a good question because then I submitted a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request to VA uh, Central Office asking specifically about the Camp Lejeune Subject Matter Expert Program. And they they did produce some records. Some of them were heavily redacted. Uh, but the ones that, a couple of them that were not redacted were the training material slides that they were using for that little four hour certification from that. So anybody who happened to see this this four-hour PowerPoint, basically, slideshow and get a chance to interact on some of them. You're a, you're, you're a subject matter expert. And they were going to, from Veterans Benefits Administration, VBA, they were using employees within the VHA, Veterans Health Administration, doctors that already worked for the government there, to, to be the SMEs. And like I said, that's kind of changed a bit because you'll see on the reports exactly what what the SME program was like in its uh, in its early days and still kind of keeps the essence of it even though <laughs> I don't want to steal anyone's thunder on that but you'll hear more about SMEs I, I, I had an SME and did a they did a compensation and pension exam on me as was required only problem is I, I never I didn't never knew that they did an exam until I saw the the denial and then the paperwork who how, what who's who saw me what happened and as I read closer, oh, no, they didn't examine. They only used just a review of my records. All right, they did for a the exam, review. For the exam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no uh, ex- actual exam, in-person exam with a medical professional. Instead, it was just a record review. Yeah. And, and they checked that that was sufficient, that that was sufficient for it. So, and uh, there are a lot of denial claims that have that, that are checked that way. If you dig deep in the denial itself, the actual paper yeah. that you got back from them, then you'll see that that oh that they oh they did a C and P exam, but they didn't. Ha- they just reviewed the records. You're right, Bob's has done that, that way too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So changed it too. Uh, yeah, yeah, we found out that this is being used across the board, and you also hear. And I'll just give you a little hint on this one that's coming. Is uh, there's a one of the doctors VA. VHA doctors that was also a, a Camp Lejeune uh, SME that was there. Um, she actually was running both sides of the of the game there. Was she worked for VA, but then she also had a private practice where she was advising people on the examinations for Camp Lejeune contamination. They, they even advertised it on their 
on their legal website, on that website that they were doing that. We found out that she was in, involved in that and to a great degree and was also a, a, a doctor for the Veterans Health Administration. How, how yeah. is this? This is a conflict of interest, it seemed to me, oh, yeah. in, in there. So I think that that may have been one of the triggers. Not sure about that, but that may have been one of the triggers for the VBA to move away and get contractors to do it instead. <laughs> instead, they were basically uh, <laughs> undermining or torpedoing their own people because they were torpedoing themselves. <laughs> it happens because I used to work for local government for a while as a nurse. And we had a little saying that you have to know how the system works and how to work the system. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, curiosity. Do you yeah. guys have half an hour, half of any idea of the number of how many of the people that were on Camp Lejeune have been notified yet, or how many haven't? Still don't know. No, Ryan. Well, I I can tell you over the last four years, I I myself personally will do it doing these outreach campaigns. We have found over two hundred. Mm -hmm. that had not been notified. So that, you know, that tells you that there's still the government and the Marine Corps is still not uh, contacting and, and informing people about Camp Lejeune. Right. So there's still quite a few out there that still don't know. And that 200 is just right where you're at. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've and had every time we go out and do a public awareness display, we find at least one. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. And I did uh, an analysis for a college paper. It was, it, you know, it's, it wasn't peer reviewed. So, and, and I'm not an expert in, in this area uh, of the statistics piece of it. But if I took 800,000 people that were exposed during the period, let's say 53 to 87, which I did, put them into a spreadsheet, then went ahead and applied the death rates, the average death rate mm. to, all, to all of the people. So what I came up with is the number of people who out of that 800,000 are would still be alive today, just by my, by my prediction, off the cuff prediction there, was about 400,000. Okay, the, the website, and let's, we're being generous at their website for the registration summary, says that there's 274,000 thousand people who are the let's 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 bump that down a little bit and not be quite so generous because some of those people may be congress folk or media or someone who, who doesn't have what wasn't actually exposed there and and not that they aren't interested they are interested of course but if we back that off and that brings the estimate let's say down into the four hundred thousand range and versus the 800,000 initially. So that'd be 50% of the actual exposed community as, as probably been notified. And I mean, you've got a positive feedback on that notification in that they registered, that they did register. So it's that's, probably, that's probably, probably lower than that. that's probably just counting like the people still living, like Correct. you guys say this has been going on since what, 53 or 57. So right. people have passed away back 50s 60s and 70s they probably aren't even getting notified that their family probably passed away from this yeah they they died without ever knowing what killed them right mm -hmm. that, that's cruel that 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 that's real 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 cold yeah yeah 
You know, something that's going back to what you were discussing just before the break, um, Rita Kids, mm -hmm. what a lot of people don't realize is that the old building that they mixed all the chemicals in on June, mm -hmm. they stopped mixing chemicals there, they turned it into the base childcare center. And when you look at the contamination around there, the, the, the playground, etc., is contaminated with DDT. You know, these are, these are kids that have got lovely little fat butts that just soak up all these different types of contamination. And it's not surprising why the death rate for kids is so high at that place. Yeah. I mean, it breaks my heart. Send your kids to school. We'll cook them up for you. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, and to, to, to follow up on that, the Marine Corps tried to ask for a permit uh, to build a warehouse on top of it, to raise that building and uh, just put a warehouse on top of the site. Mm -hmm. And the ground's going to leach that shit into the water table until it is right. removed. Right. And uh, so what they did when they applied for the permit is they were denied the permit to build the building because they asked them, is anybody going to occupy this building? Going to occupy it? And they said, yeah, well, well, obviously it's a warehouse. It was going to be a warehouse. There was going to have to be somebody go into it periodically or something. Guess what? They would be going into a site to where they would have fumes that they would breathe as soon yeah. as they got into the place. And so they denied, EPA denied, because they were happened to be in line because of the contamination, because it was a Superfund site at that time. They applied for the permit and they were not able to <laughs> build that building there. No, um, that should um, be on the 100-year plan. Right. <laughs> Tim, wasn't there another daycare site there as well? I can't remember if it was Headknot Point or um, the... the um, there was at least two well area. sites, so there was at least No, daycare. Two. I think there was three or four. Well, here's, here's what's kind of another interesting story about the daycare is that there were multiple. And here's, yes. what, here's why I say this, is that because it was so difficult for... Uh, couples to be able to get their kids into daycare, then you basically, if it was, if you were high, of higher rank, then yeah, you're, you're, you would have already been there maybe long enough or something like that to where you could find somebody, uh, one of the daycares, uh, official daycares there to be able to take them to. Aside from that, there were waiting lists that were, that were circulated around <laughs> that we found out of women uh, uh, dependents that lived in the um, in the base housing, the military base housing mm -hmm. that was highly contaminated, the water with the PCE. So this is where the families were living, and so there were multiple homes there over years that you know rotated, you know, amongst some of them there, and that was really one of the only other viable options for daycare uh, on Camp Lejeune for many of them. And so, do we know how many were in there? maybe there's an estimate, <coughs> some sort of an estimate of that but actually which which daycare want well, to take your pick you know I mean, it's, yeah. everywhere where you went in Tarawa Terrace which was the uh, base housing that was there that uh, that where these dependents lived 
than if they were actually usually often mothers of children or, you know, parents uh, uh, that they also would have uh, people at their house, not knowing, not having any, any clue that the uh, drinking water that they were time <coughs> and the fumes inside of their structures. Again, these were single family homes or duplexes and they were on a concrete pad. They were, uh, they, the construction was a concrete type pad. So slab, slab type. So anyway. All those kids. <laughs> yeah. They didn't sign up for it. They did not and sign up for this. The, the, so. um, the old ammunition building or the old am, uh, ammunition. Um, Bunkers. Pickle mixing building was the worst. Oh. Was, yeah, I believe there was at least one other that they were recently... Um, testing <coughs> contamination issues. Yes, yes, yes. There was, and it turned out that the place uh, <coughs> they had, they had, there was contamination underneath the new building that they'd put in. Well, that yeah. building, I think it was sixteen. Building sixteen. Built. I think it was sixteen, eighteen, mm -hmm. if I remember right. Well, that building it turns out was the site of the base uh, uh, drivers' uh, uh, school for kids to get their driver's license. The driver, driving yeah. instructors were located there. So we knew that they had to occasionally go inside that building and sit there and maybe for a while and watch films, you know, as, as all of us probably did somewhere along the way when we were you know, taking driver's ed uh, to try to get our license. And yeah, that's what they found out that that building uh, afterwards, they did some studies on it to find out, oh yeah, there is some of vapors. There are some vapors that have accumulated underneath the building. And so they had to come up with a remediation plan. And we were going, wait a second. These were teenagers. These were dependents, <coughs> probably dependents as well that were affected. So yeah, it's a, it goes on and on and on and on. And there's just more and more that we learn. And now with PFAS and, and some of the other yeah. chemicals that they've detected there. Yeah. Um, what what uh, I'd like to do right now, if we can, is Nick, um, Brandon, can we go ahead and take just a brief break, and then and then we'll go ahead and come back and wrap up with everyone here. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Y'all, be sure to be sure to stick around after the break. I think we're gonna have a couple more things of mention. We're gonna we're gonna mention the books again, the documentary, the websites, <laughs> all that all that important stuff. So. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of Giant Voice Camp Lejeune, The Toxic Truth. We invite you to continue this journey by being with us again on Saturday, March 12th for part two of this three-part miniseries. We at Coast to Coast Podcast hope at the very least that after this miniseries, our viewers would have gained a new knowledge of the struggles and trials our guests and many, many others have faced and continue to face because of this tragedy. If you or someone you know was or is presently at Camp Lejeune, we want you to know that you are not alone or forgotten. Please like, comment, and subscribe so that you don't miss out on the information yet to come. And again, thank you. We're back for our final ending of this thing. Our, our final, final little bit, and uh, we're going to... We're gonna let stuff. we're gonna let these folks 
finish finish their their piece let their voices be heard and um yeah with that let's let's get right back into it all right let's go great you know um um brian uh one of the things that uh i think we we'd like to know right now is a little bit more about the uh community engagement especially through the, the facebook sites you you have to be <coughs> moderator for one of the facebook sites that that has a uh, uh, a lot of information that people can get if they happen to be a Facebook user, they could go there. So give us a little bit more information on what you see there. What, what yeah, we've got, uh, we've got uh, a Facebook uh, page. It's a private group. Uh, we've got over 17,000 members on it. That uh, they've either been at Camp Lejeune or they're a family member that's been at Camp Lejeune. We've also got, uh, some members of uh, Congress on there that's uh, working with us on trying to get some of our uh, pieces of legislation passed. Um, right here on my on my cover, let me pull it up here. You got the Camp Lejeune Toxic Water Survivor. That's that, it. Uh, yep. Camp Lejeune Toxic Water Survivor. Yes. At, at, that's that's going to be a Facebook group that you would look up if you wanted to find them. Yeah. It will ask you a question on there. Uh, what association do you have with Camp Lejeune? You must answer the question or in order to get approved to be a, be in there, to be on it. Um, yeah, we've got members from all over the United States that's on it. And um, you can get a lot of answers, a lot of information. Uh, there's people on there that will talk to you that uh, if you need help with something, we'll, we'll be more than happy to talk with you about it. That, wow. And uh, thank you for, for putting that in there. I know, uh, um, Karen happens to have a group too that specializes just on in uh, widows, uh, Camp Lejeune widows, um, and, and obviously there's lots of other types of places that we can go to. But one of the things I want to talk about is the book, um, "A Trusty Trade." It's by a fellow by the name of Mike Magner. Mike Magner. If you want to read. Some a, a book, one book, and basically be all you really need to get to know why we got here and why and, and where we're at, why we got there. This one documents it. It's it's going to make you mad, mm. and it's also going to get you uh, and make you sad too. Very sad, uh, especially like I said for for members of our uh, government. Uh, that have served, excuse me, that have served our government like we have, uh, and and others who and unintentionally <laughs> ended up serving the government. But the other site, and I'll go ahead and put it up. It's uh, it's T as in Tango, F as in Foxtrot, T as in Tango, P as in Papa, T as in Tango, F as in Foxtrot dot com. It's the few, the proud, the forgotten.com. If you go to that site, then you will have all the historical access to all the historical documents you want. You also get a chance to, to see the, the timeline of events uh, of, uh, at Camp Lejeune and, and be able to discern what happened according to what the government says and according to the documents that we have that happens to be that uh, Mike Partain put together uh, on the site. Uh, and, and you'll also hear, you'll be able to get information about the news and so forth. 
uh, that's going on down there. Now, the number one, number one, save the best, best, biggest, best one for last year is if you don't have time for anything else, but you still have want to know more, Semper Fi, Always Faithful is the name of the movie. It's a documentary that came out mm -hmm. and the Semper Fi, Always Faithful. And like I said, it's a document, document, uh, documentary. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I know that several of the people here at, uh, at Giant Voice, you know, I've had a chance to see it. All of us you know, have had, had at least one uh, chance to see it. And talking about making you mad and talking about making you sad at the same time, that's, this, is, this is one that will definitely do it. Set aside some time to sit down and watch it. You may, you may find yourself even, you know, watching it again. And then, so that, those are the things that I would say. Are any, uh, are you, uh, Nick, before, uh, Nick and Brandon, before some final thoughts around, around Robin? Tim, um, my wife just said to me, she said, if you got small children, don't let them watch a documentary. Cause, yeah, cause, yeah. Cause, I mean, it's it'll it'll, get angry. Yeah, and it'll make yeah. them sad. They won't. They, they, it's not a. Uh, you know, we can understand it. You're right. As adults, you know, we we yeah. usually have a, a way to be able to understand it. Children may not understand why. You know, the dad's gone, mom's gone, and it, it, it gets into a much bigger discussion, which is why we're doing several episodes of the, this Camp Lejeune uh, uh, special. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tim, before we go to the roundtable, something I'd like to, to mention about um, April 16th at Jacksonville, North Carolina, uh, we're going to be having a, one of the outreach uh, awareness days. Uh, we're going to have Marines and family members, Navy personnel from several different states uh, gathering dinner on that Saturday to put the word out, let everybody know what's going what happened to us and to try to find more Marines, more Navy personnel and more of the dependents that don't know about it. Um, if you would like to come and join us, you are more than welcome to stand out there, show your support for veterans across this United States. Yeah. You don't have to be a, a Marine uh, uh, or know a Marine to know that this is just rotten as rotten. And so, yeah, absolutely. So, Brian, given that, can you go, go ahead and give us some final thoughts as we kind of uh, wrap this special episode up? Um, I'd like for, for everybody that's watching and listening, call your senators, call your congressmen, tell them to support the Marines, the veterans, support the Navy personnel, support the, the dependents that was poisoned at Camp Lejeune. Call them and tell them to vote yes on the Camp Lejeune Justice Act. Vote yes on the toxic exposure in the middle American yeah. military, so we can, so we can have justice. That, to me, the money don't mean a damn thing. I just want justice for everybody that was poisoned. All right, well said. All right, let's, uh, Kathy. Yes. Any, any final thoughts from you? Wow. Um, don't give up. Don't give up your fight. You know, don't let the government win. I mean, they've had the upper hand for how many years? If you're a widow, especially, and lost your husband, 
please, you know, contact your local veteran service organizations, um, other family, friends that may have more information, just make sure you continue the fight. It's, you know, you lost your loved one, your husband, perhaps your wife, depending on, you know, your situation, but you know, it's, you know, the old government saying plausible deniability. Well, you know, how can you deny a, close to a million people, Marines, that were affected by this and have died or are still suffering from all the effects from Camp Lejeune's toxic water? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's not fair. It's not right. And, uh, just, you know, please just stay in there. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. Thanks for coming on and sharing your. Oh, you're welcome. I've learned a lot, actually, because I, as I say, I was never at Lejeune. I hadn't met Bob till about a year and a half after his discharge, and he didn't share a whole lot of it. You know, really, some yeah. stuff I really can't share. Uh, but uh, uh, unless you want to get knocked off the air here, but. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the one thing Nancy you told cease and desist uh, paperwork. Yeah, cease and desist order, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that one before too. Anyway, um, basically, the one thing I remember him telling me when uh, we first met was, um, which actually yesterday was forty-five years since we first met. Wow. Yeah. Anywho, um, he said, you know. If, if I'm asleep, don't, don't get close to my face because I will probably jump up and hit you. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, and I made the mistake one time and he took a swing at me. Luckily, I got out of the way and he said, it's just the training. It is. It is. As a matter of fact, uh, I think Brian and, and uh, yeah. Sam, you, I know you guys can vouch for that, too, is that any time that we had to wake somebody up for guard duty for a, uh, during the middle of the night for, uh, for anything, for guard duty or anything else, they, with anything that they might do within the first like 30 seconds or exactly. minute or so of, of waking up, they may they may take a, a, a smack at you. And, and if they do, it's not their fault. That's part right. of the, that's the that's the training sleep light I guess. <laughs> is, is, I would know that works. Yeah, don't get in their face I, while they're out in the field. I would actually take a stick if we was out in the field, and it was I was coming off coming off guard duty. I would take a stick and reach out and poke yeah. the guy, and wake him up because I knew what would probably happen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sam, okay. any hey. final thoughts? Hmm. Final thoughts, 960,000 Marines and reservists were poisoned at Camp of June to 1987. 2.64 million, if you include dependents and on-base personnel. With the genetic shit scrambling the DNA in the children, I have heard as far as 10 generations down, there's no telling how bad this is going to get. The government has denied and been told since 1970 with the Clean Drinking Water Act, Congress said, and I quote, all, surface, all wells within the United States were to be we're not to have TCE, PCE, all the damn chemicals they poisoned us with. 
the Marine Corps continued to poison us till 1987. In 1985, they turned the wells off, finally. Finally turned them off. Turned them back on summer of 1986 after they had set for a year. Just in time for me to arrive. Have denied me every damn step of the way. BA has not been honorable, and you guys know it. Huh? SMEs is there to prove it. Thank you so much, Sam. And thanks for coming on and sharing your story and sharing the, what you what you know about this. And I'll toss it to Karen, my special co-host, for some final thoughts. Okay. Um, the group that um, Tim was alluding to that um, I run, um, and Brian, this is not taking anything away from toxic water, so please don't take it this way. But it's called Camp Lejeune Wives, Partners and Widows. And basically why I set it up is that, as Kathy can probably attest, as the widows, as the partners, and as you know, the spouses of um, Camp Lejeune vets, we face challenges that maybe others don't face. We have, um, I guess, grief, um, struggles that the normal civilian out there may not have. Because over all of this, we've got hanging Camp Lejeune. And you know, as I said, this is a safe place where they where they can come and talk and let it all out and maybe get some advice on how to handle different things. Like when, you know, the, the whole thing about um, what you were just talking about, you know, about approaching somebody, you know, a Marine who's sleeping. Right. Well, the, the number, you know, there's a couple of times I've gone to walk into the bedroom and I've scared the, the, the crap out of Tim. Yeah. <laughs> And I haven't got, you know, so it, it's it's things like that. It's the PTSD. It's it's all the other challenges. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's not as easy to talk to, talk about it in a group like, you know, the Toxic Waters. Mm -hmm. PTSD, you want to talk. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's out there for, for, you know, the widows and the partners and that, if they want somewhere to go, to come to that, that is safe. You know something that occurs to me? They have in my medical record from when I was in that I was PTSD and still deny me to this day. Interesting. Mm -hmm. hmm. yeah. I wonder why. I tell you what, folks, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up with some final thoughts here for our uh, audience here, and then I'll hand it back over to our, our generous hosts, Nick and, and Brandon, uh, here on the show. But I, uh, one of the things I want to share with you is, is anecdotal. This is a personal experience uh, that I had. My father worked as a um, field engineer for uh, National Cast Register Company. And in the course of their shop, they had a, a, a small facility there that, that they used to clean off typewriters the, of the ball type or the, the typeset type. And to clean the ink off of it, they used a solvent that was on it. And 
what I thought was interesting when I got to Camp Lejeune was I smelled that same scent again. <laughs> and so it was familiar. There was some familiarity with it, but I, I didn't put it together. I really didn't put it together. And in fact, I chalked it up to, well, a lot of times we got our water from a, a, a cooler there, a water fountain cooler. And so there's, they have uh, compressors underneath them. So maybe it's just the lubricant that I'm smelling, you know, the, for the compressors that's in there. But uh, then before my father died, a few, a few years ago, I happened to ask him, well, hey, dad, what, what were they using to clean those typewriters with? And he goes, Doug, yeah, it was trichloroethylene, TCE. No wonder it smelled very similar to the, the water at Camp Lejeune. I, I finally had put it together, literally in my, I think it was early 50s, <laughs> almost 30 years after service, <laughs> after finally put the, the scent together. And that's one thing that it does say in CDC's public health assessment. That's another just fantastic document that where CDC, ATSDR, the um, agency for toxic disease and substance registry, ATSDR. And those folks have done so much in the watering, uh, water modeling studies and in the public health assessment that they put out in it and where it talks specifically on the executive summary front end about TCE. It says that the concentration would on average have been high enough for long periods of time to where people would have been able to taste it and smell it. And that absolutely tracks with my experience, Brian, your experience, Sam, your experience. I remember the taste of honey on my lips when I was marching through that shit in the, <laughs> at the ammo dump. Going to oh, the bunkers. No. Yeah, like a sweet not, taste. Not not yeah, good. but yeah. that—that's I—I I, I hope that uh, that everyone's really enjoyed this special um, edition of uh, Giant Voice Camp Lejeune. Tim, can you wait? Wait one second. I'm just waiting for Mary to send me something. Okay, sure. While you're waiting, I guess you know, while we're waiting, then one of the yeah. things I would like to uh, mention is that when we Come back, be, join us again for the for another episode. Go to Coast to Coast and Giant Voice because Giant Voice is probably going to be doing some additional specials on other aspects too, where people people who didn't have a voice for so long now do have at least some way of of sharing information out there. So, right. Okay, I'm ready. Um, email address, uh, Mary's email address. That's right. Yeah, and Mary, um, Mary has said that she, it's okay for me to give her email address so that anybody who wants to do a short thirty-minute um, explanation of what they went through at Camp Lejeune can um, send it to us. So the email address is Mary at Coast to hyphen Coast Podcast. Com. That's Mary at coast hyphen two hyphen coast podcast dot com. Um, yes. Just put the link in with the info on the site. Yeah. Yeah, we can. That's so for so for our listeners though that you know may not actually see it. Then 
you know, it gives them an opportunity to get it. But if you, if you need to, please, you know, come back and, and, uh, check out, like I said, future episodes of Giant Voice Camp Lejeune Special Edition and Giant Voice uh, and the Coast to Coast. And thanks, uh, Nick, Brandon, and all the folks at Coast to Coast uh, and Giant Voice for <laughs> doing, what they, doing what they do to allow us to have the opportunity to share that with our audience. And I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, this is totally legal in the state I live in. Plus, I have a doctor's prescription for it. <laughs> we hear you, Sam. Well, I well, just I just want to take a second and just say, you know, again, thank you all for being here with us, uh, allowing Nick and I to hear your stories and share your stories as well. And to anybody out there who listened to this, watched this has been experiencing anything along these lines and essentially feels like you're on your own know that you're not um there's plenty of resources that you could reach out to and these folks can give you a lot of answers and we will be sure to list all of that stuff in the description as well absolutely i too want to thank you guys for coming on here um we're we're like super privileged here to be able to do this for you guys pretty huge and to out there like we said there's there's definitely going to be more sessions of this this is just one of a series and if there's anybody out there you know this is military if anybody out there is like you got something you want to talk about just contact us this is what we're this is what we're all about absolutely absolutely and again for everyone out there listening and watching thank you very much for joining us on this special episode of giant voice camp lejeune the toxic truth and there's going to be some more in the future. Thank you. Absolutely. So with that, have a great rest of your day and see you when we come up with the next one.
That's what we do. <sighs> well, y'all. I hear plucking going on. What's going on? It's my Les Paul. <laughs> nice. You can one rip, rip. One of them. <laughs> yeah, if we want to see Brady Bunch, he's getting ready to do it. Okay, whenever you're oh, ready. I'm not I'm not hundred percent on the words, but I'll see what I can do. Here's a story of a lovely lady <laughs> who is ringing up three very lovely girls. All, All of them are here go like, like their mother. Here's a story of a man and named Brady. Brady. Who was busy with three boys of his own? They were four men living all together, but they were all alone. Till the one day when this lady met this fellow, and they knew there was much more than a hunch. That this crew must fall somehow form a family. That's, That's the, the way we, we all became the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. Fantastic. There we go. Oh, Brady. I'm not real sure Brady what to think.